This bonus episode of the Unofficial Shopify podcast is made possible through a contribution by Rewind. Rewind is the top-rated backup app for Shopify. Think of it like macOS's time machine, but for your Shopify store. Not only is it one of the very few apps we use in my wife's Shopify store, it's literally the only app that I recommend to 100% of merchants because you will never regret having backups. So if you want to stop living dangerously and start automating your backups right now, check out rewind.io. We'll talk more about it later in the show with a special offer. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from EtherCycle HQ in pretty okay, scenic, nice, finely green, Skokie, Illinois. And today on the show, we're talking about one of the number one revenue channels for any e-commerce business, one of the highest ROI marketing activities you can engage in, and one of my favorite ways to help people make more money with their store, because that is my why for being I want to help my friends get paid, and I promise you are all friends I haven't made yet. So, we're talking about Klaviyo today. Yes, the email marketing automation platform that is the darling of the Shopify world, Klaviyo. We love it. We're biased. We're Klaviyo Gold Partners, proudly so. And we want to share with you uh, twofold. Number one, if you're already on Klaviyo, hey, here's what's working for us. Here's what's new. Here are some things you know you might not be doing that you want to consider, and then if you are new to Clavio, you're considering setting it up, or you just got on it and you haven't gotten through the setup yet, we're the second half of the episode. We're going to try and walk through, like, all right, this is the pro way to set up Clavio. This is uh, the crash course that should make your life easier and help you get the absolute most value from it. And joining me to do it is none other than frequent repeat guest Kurt Bullock from Produce Department, a, another Shopify partner. And uh, strategic partner with us. He does our handles, our, our Facebook ads management for clients and our, our Clavio management as well. And we've been, been doing that for years. It has worked very well for us. So I'm happy to have him joining me again. Mr. Kurt Bullock, thank you for joining how us. You, how are you doing, Kurt? We got video going. We both got our haircut recently and we have the same damn haircut. We just, this is like the standard white guy haircut now. It's true. You just add, <laughs> when you go in, you just, it's, a le- it's assigned a letter. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll take you know, the, like give me the the C. You know, there's just the average white guy haircut. Exactly. All right. So, in Clavio, we gotta first establish something. What is it? Why do I care? Like, what's the big deal with Clavio? So, Clavio is it's an email service provider, right? It's cool because it connects to your Shopify store. And because it has awesome marketing automation capabilities, and now they're adding new capabilities like uh, they're experimenting with AI to see how that can uh, add to the whole process as well. But that's Clavio in a nutshell. And it's not even just like BS AI. A lot of like supposed AI is just really complex nested if then else statements. In Clavio's case, they um, they said they had they had hired like two Harvard data scientists. So they're they're not messing around here with machine learning. Okay, so Clavio, email marketing platform, MailChimp just broke up with Shopify, so we got a lot of people, there are 300,000 MailChimp merchants on MailChimp, and those people have to go somewhere with their email marketing. And we know like it's this tremendous channel. The big advantage to Clavio is 
it is from day one built with the Shopify integration in mind. That's why it's it's become such a darling uh, in the Shopify space, especially um, among Shopify Plus merchants who are able to leverage it. It's because it just works for your Shopify store in terms of like you've got the tightest, highest level of integration possible to enable these marketing automation flows. So on that topic, what's new in Clavia? What are the some of the exciting new features that have come around? What are you playing with these days? So we talked a little bit about the AI, uh, and that's cool. That's something I'm experimenting with. Um, it gives us lots of options in terms of, so, calcul- so they're calculating uh, sort of at all times for each of your customers, how much they've purchased in the past. They're projecting how much they think they will purchase in the future. Um, they're coming up with the numbers you can use, like the average time in between purchases. And these are all things that you can use in your automation and in your targeting. So that's something I'm playing with and uh, you know, trying to find the best use for. Um, another thing that they're doing is they've added recently split testing, which is great. You can so I'm doing a lot of split testing uh, right now in in all of my Clavio installs, um, and we can talk about what some of those split tests are. Um, but so split testing has been super powerful, uh, especially because you can use it, use it in their automated uh, flows. So you can have branches. You can have one branch that says let's do this with the coupon code, and another branch that says let's try it without a coupon code. And then you can go and see what lift the coupon code gave you and see if it was worth it or not. Hmm. Yeah, I recently talked to uh, one of the guys from Chubby's, and they were saying that aside from like phenomenal content, they loved Clavio. They've been using it forever, and they have been doing split testing. So before a email goes out, they take a small percentage of the list and who would receive the full email, um, and they send multiple versions of it where they go, all right, we're going to try two different subject lines. We're going to try two different headlines and we're gonna try two different offers or something like that and then whichever assuming that these things succeed you know if nothing works i assume they don't send it but they pick the winners mix and match it uh together and then send that tested and proven email to the entire list so it's like a not it not a ton of extra work up front doing that they're able to get uh much more dramatic results i would imagine when you talk about split testing in terms of like flows uh in clavio Walk me through it. What's a like a working example where you might use this? Let's let's go back to abandoned cart. I've got a few different um, abandoned cart scenarios, uh, all of which I've used on uh, a store that uh, I run with my brother called Ballistic Fabrication. Uh, it's auto parts um, for off-road vehicles. So uh, one thing that we're doing right now is I look at our flow list and where all the revenue is coming from. Um, is an abandoned cart split test where we have a different different emails going for new customers versus repeat customers. So we've got one flow and essentially it's testing for if people add something to their cart but they haven't purchased, then do this. And then we check to see, okay, have they purchased in the past? If they have, then they are gonna get the customer flow. And in the customer flow, we're not including discount codes. If they have not purchased before, that's the new customer flow. Excuse me. So the other one's repeat customer flow. This one's new customer flow. So if they have never purchased before, they're a new customer. That's where we use the discount ladder. So we're introducing discount codes, sending out a different one every few days, and trying to bring them into our world 
uh, with a discount, right? And and push them over that that sort of edge, right? Once they become a customer, though, we don't need to continue sending them discount codes every time they come through our funnel uh, or onto the store. So that's why we have the two different branches. And we found that the repeat customers, if I'm just looking at the values here, we're bringing in more revenue from the repeat customers uh, than the new customers in just a 30-day period. So it doesn't seem to be negatively impacting the flows, yet we're not having to give away that 10, 15, 20% uh, to all of our repeat customers. They continue to purchase and generate revenue. So at scale, you've not, you're not acquiring additional customers. You're not really changing anything about the business. But this one tweak, now suddenly the business is more profitable. Exactly. Very cool. Uh, do you happen to, off the top of your head, you got any other cool examples or, or wins of late with Clavio? I like that one. Yeah. So um, another one, I guess, another abandoned cart that I use for a different store is deciding to use uh, a discount code by value. So they come through the cart and this particular store, um, this was for outdoor sports enthusiasts. And there's a bunch of low you know, low value items, let's say 20, $25, right? So we were looking through the stats and seeing that a lot of people that were, you know, ordering a $25 product, were getting then a 15% discount code uh, on top of that. And so we decided to try and split that by the amount uh, of value, the number of items in their cart and the total value. So I should just say the total value of the items in their cart. We decided in this case to put it at 100 because there's a number of products that are $100 plus. So essentially, if they put any of the high value items in their cart, then they're going to receive a different email flow, which then offers them the discount code. Um, and so that that also is is something that's pretty cool. Um, and you know, using sort of the new branches feature in Flows, um, you can you can do that. You can, you know, split it, split it based on value or if they've purchased before or how much they've purchased in the past. There's a whole bunch of different things that you can use to sort of make these decisions in the flows. Uh, I'll throw one out. The thing we've been playing that I've been playing with more is, is segmenting. Um, and I think the magic of segmenting is like it's not about who you're sending it to. It's more about who you're not sending it to. So a, a recent one we had uh, with a larger client was define what VIP customers look like. So say you know, anyone who spent over X value in the last uh, six months, 12 months, whatever it takes to get you to like a definition that's maybe at most 1% of your list. Uh, that's what we did. And then sent an email out to those people before a big sale and said, hey, you're VIPs, so we're giving you early access to the sale and you're getting access to this bonus part of the sale where it's like there was an additional category um, that was discounted. And that, you know, even though it's going to a tiny fraction of the entire email list, you're getting to your VIP best buyers and making them feel special and appreciated, and they return the favor by making purchases. So they, like, open, click, an order rate on that email outperformed all the other sale emails. So it's just like what, what you're doing now, sending the same way you'd be sending sale campaigns now, you just, you're adding one additional email to that. Um, and increasing, you know, having a mark to increase on the revenue you make from your sales. And you know, at the same time, I think it is a, uh, it's a nice customer appreciation tactic. Very cool. I, I love that example. That, and just along the lines of segmenting, that reminded me of another example for this auto parts, right? So for ballistic, we 
we created segments based on um, the type of vehicle they were purchasing for. So as an example, let's say um, we find parts that are related to Jeeps. So in that way, we can tell that if you've purchased Jeep parts, you most likely have a Jeep and you will probably be interested in other Jeep parts. Um, so then we created follow-up emails. So these were just campaigns that we sent out um, that, so we essentially took, we looked through and found the top, you know, three to five best-selling products, Jeep products, and then we created emails with related products that they would be interested in. And um, so another way to, uh, you know, get more value from your list, but also not annoy your contacts because it's not related to a type of vehicle they don't have or, or things they won't be interested in. You can also exclude things they've already, you know, you can say if they've already purchased this, don't send this email out. Um, so that's been another win and we're starting to build that out for other uh, car types and, and makes. Um, it's sort of, you know, it's a manual process, but once you've done it, you can just rinse and repeat. And I like your, your example with segmentation uh, for the implementation saying it's, you know, who do you not want to annoy with this? Where it's like, all right, some people, if I haven't made a purchase in a while, but I like the brand, a sale email shows up, I'm at least curious. I'm going to open it and be like, all right, what am I getting 25% off on? And even if I say, ah, I'm not ready to, I'm not going to purchase right now, I'm not mad about it. But if I made a purchase like two days ago, and then I get an email that the thing I bought's now on sale, super annoying, right? Um, and maybe right. I go try and shake down customer service to give me the refund, but I'm probably not going to bother. I'm just going to be annoyed about it. With segmentation, right. every time you do a sale email, you could say, "All right, let's seg uh, um, let's make a segment that excludes everyone who purchased that item, the thing that's on sale, or the category that's on sale, or made a purchase period in you know, the last fourteen days." I think that's a a good quick win. I'm going to put that in the show notes as how to get started with segmenting. Yes, yes. Now that's a really good just sort of thing to add to your pre send a checklist, right? Just think through who you could be taking out, particularly people that have just purchased the product that you're about to mail about. I will say, having used um, Drip in my own business, so I can't just, we can't just do an episode and be like, Clave is the best at everything. We love it and you should use it right now. I'll say my segmenting is faster and easier to do in Drip. You know, that said, it, like, it just, it does not have the same integration with Shopify that Clavio does. I love, so I'm a big fan of segmentation, so I like that in Drip. In Clavio, the solution is you got to make you make segments, and then you just send the email to that segment, right? Right. So there's there's lists, which is a static list, right? It, there's no conditions on whether you're going to be a member of that list or not. If you were added, you're in there. Then there's segments, which are rule based, and they can they can pull from lists. They do pull from lists, right? And it, it kind of further slices and dices that list based on um, you know any of these. There's tons of conditions uh, available to you in Clavio, and there's more. You add more conditions when you add integrations, like um, um, with with other apps. Let's say like with Just Uno or Typeform, and and those start to bring in additional data that you can use to segment your list as well. Cool. Yeah. The all right. So I think I'll rephrase it as my my segmentation criticism. I'll rephrase it as a feature request. What would be cool is if when I create. When I say, all right, I want to create a campaign, it says, oh, which list or segment do you want to send it to? If it gave me a third option that was define a segment right now, and I could just make a one-off segment that is tied to that campaign email, that would, that would solve my invented issue here. 
And then yeah. conversely, the thing I wish every email platform had that seems to be exclusive to Klaviyo is smart sending, where like you're doing it with a lot of automation, you don't know what email someone may have recently received from you. Maybe they just got your abandoned card email, and then five minutes later you're sending them a sale email. The smart sending in Klaviyo lets you say, all right, just automatically exclude anybody who's gotten an email from me in the last X hours. Right. So like as an example, maybe you would normally keep that on to make sure that people aren't receiving emails, you know, within a 24 hour period or, or, and getting barraged. But then maybe when you're sending out, let's say your Black Friday campaigns where your goal is just to reach everybody, then you turn smart sending off. We're going to get this message to everybody. We don't care. <laughs> right. And I think like Black Friday's every Monday, it's a free for all. Everybody's yeah. inbox is fair game at that point. And we, we expect this. Um, okay. Moving forward. What works in Clavio? So the reason I ask this is I'm, I'm looking for like, all right, what's the, the MVP Clavio setup? And for someone who's maybe um, trying to figure out if they're missing any critical flows or they're intimidated by the sheer number of flows in that workflow library and they don't know where to start, what would be like, okay, these are the flows that will typically make the most money and provide the best experience. Uh, which which do you do? Where would I focus my time first? So I sort of think of it as um, going for the high engagement flows. So, for instance, that you know, again, I'm, I've got a Clavio account open right now. Uh, I think this is pretty typical across my other accounts as well. But uh, your your welcome sequence is going to be a big earner. Um, so that's typically tied to maybe a pop-up on your site. Maybe you're offering a discount code or um, maybe you are offering some sort of a download, like a buyer's guide. If you're selling skis, you might have you know link to a, a guide that tells people how to choose which skis to purchase and, and which might be the best fit. So, you know, that was surprising to me when I started really diving into emails that welcome flows would generate such a big, you know, portion of the overall revenue. Well, I think um, it's the you think of the welcome flow as like as part of the first impression. Like you right. have, you've just met this brand and they you such a, you're like, "Hey, yeah, you can have my phone number." They asked for it and you yeah, know, here you go. You know, it, it's your email in this example. And now they're they're sending you some texts and you're starting a conversation and you're getting to know them. I think that's it, humans are uh, we're a social animal. Everything's relationship based, and that's the way I would look at those welcome series. And as to why like they work so well is you've got that you got to nail that first impression. So a good welcome series does that for you. Absolutely. Yep. It, it pays to spend a little time uh, thinking about that. Rattle off um, for me. All right. Now I'm going to go deeper in the weeds on welcome series. Sorry. Let's do it. A lot of people have crappy welcome series. Just straight up. Cause, and it's not their, necessarily their fault. It's just they don't – it's very open-ended. They don't necessarily know what to put in there. Just rattle off some examples of these are emails I would put in a, a welcome series. So if you've got it connected to an offer, let's say 10% off or something like that, your first email, deliver the offer. Deliver what you said you would deliver. Um, so that's the first in, the first thing you're going to put in there. Um, the next thing I'll typically put in there is what do you want your prospects to know? Um, so if you know when I think about it, what's the most important thing that I wish my prospects knew? Communicate that in your next email. Um, I would not decouple it from products. Tie the message together and and make sure that it's you know you're talking about 
what you want them to know. And by the way, this is how it ties into our products, right? It, this is what leads to us having a higher quality product, let's say, or being able to offer it at a better price or whatever it might be. So that would be the next thing. Um, and then I'd like to throw in a reminder email. So I'll check and see, hey, if they haven't purchased, if they didn't take advantage of that initial discount code that we sent out, send them a reminder that says, hey, we noticed you still haven't used your, your code. This expires in the next you know, 24 hours, the next three days or whatever it might be. Um, and I find that those, particularly the, you know, when, it's, when you say that there's only, let's say, 24 hours left, uh, those generally bring in quite a few sales. There's a nice uptick in sales for that last email. I have I've consistently noticed across every email campaign ever run in the history of ever, the email that often does the best is the, hey, do, like, quick, just a reminder, the sale's ending, this is your last chance, don't ask us again about this. Right. Yep. Yeah, because it's, you know, you could just put off the decision prior to then. So it's like, all right, yeah, you're... Bi- you're building the awareness, but they're like, eh, I got time. I got time. Like, we procrastinate as people. It's just what we do. So I think yeah. that's the, the magic of those emails and the importance of them. Yeah. Uh, all right. Other in your, your MVP workflow, you had a welcome series. Uh, throw what else would be like this is what you absolutely have to have? Abandoned cart, I would say, is the other essential. So for sure. Um, yeah. Abandoned cart. That's, you know, that with your welcome email, those are going to be your, your biggest money makers. Um, and we talked a little bit about abandoned cart examples with those split tests, but you know, oftentimes an abandoned cart series, maybe three emails, one that's that, you know, let's say in our example, the first one has no uh, discount code just says, Hey, you left something in your cart. It's just a reminder. And maybe there's a customer service element to there. Like, is there anything we can help you with or any questions that we can answer for you? Um, and I actually experiment with sending this first one as sort of plain text a lot of times, uh, and just make it seem like almost like it's coming from, um, you know, like it's coming from a live person. Right. Um, and, and that works really well. Let me ask you a follow-up there. Yeah. You said, I want to send this as plain text. I have seen plain text emails work so well. And you said, it's like, well, it looks like it's from a real person. How do you decide this email is text-based, this email is HTML and images, and this email is like straight up brochure catalog looking kind of thing. Should we just be doing everything plain text now? I mean, wh- wh- how do you decide? So uh, the way that I've done it is when I set up a new, you know, a new Clavio account, I usually split test the first email of the abandoned cart series. Um, and so I'll have it branch. I'll send out the, you know, essentially the same email, but plain text and HTML with, you know, with all the images and, you know, menu bar and, and all or navigation bar. Um, so that's sort of the first place that I would experiment, um, is with that first email in your abandoned cart series. Um, interestingly, I found the plain text works most often there. Um, hmm. I have not seen, and you know, that's a generalization. It hasn't, I have definitely seen times when, when the other email worked better for whatever reason. Um, and I'm not sure why. But testing at least gave us that information. We don't necessarily need to know why so <laughs> for it to work. This is an opportunity for split testing. Right. So it's, it's going to depend on like your audience, your brand, your approach. But if you're looking, you're saying, hey, you know, I'm making good money with my abandoned card emails. I want to make more money. I don't know what else to try. Why not try split testing plain text versus fancy? Yep. Fancy schmancy. That's the designer term. Exactly. That's the technical term. Uh, okay. Welcome series and abandoned cart. And for sure, I've seen like 
as far as revenue goes, those two are going to are going to print the most money. So that's where you want to start and put your efforts. It's not true of all brands, but I've definitely seen somewhere like the browse abandonment does unusually well. And that one's like so easy to implement. Um, you re- it's like yeah. it's one email. You're not doing a ton with it. And it's just like, hey, did you see something you like? That's all it says. I usually I rewrite it just like, hey, did you have any questions about this item? Just open yeah. it. Open the floor to questions from customers. And to be you know totally clear, in case you're not familiar with the browse abandonment email, essentially, if you look at a product page and we already have your email address on file, then you'll receive a quick email like like you know Kurt Elser just described. And but it, it won't work for people that that have never signed up for your email list because we don't know their email address yet. Right. Uh, um, one else? other interesting one, uh, and as I'm looking, you know, at a couple different uh, accounts I have open on my screen right now. Um, another one that's sometimes surprising is the new customer thank you email. So post purchase thank you email. They've just purchased, and then after that, you know, I often send out an email that looks like it comes from the owner of the store. And what I hear back from you know the people running the stores is a that so many people respond to that email, um, and and they'll go in and that's they start developing a relationship, uh, and so that's the first thing that I hear. And the second thing, looking at the stats is that this comes in, um, what, this is the, th- the third highest performing beneath our, in this particular account, abandoned cart and welcome series is the new customer thank you. Um, hmm. So yeah, very interesting. Now that's not, again, not this not the same for all accounts, but in this account it's doing, it's, it's pretty close to the abandoned cart almost. Well, and I would, even if this doesn't like print the most money, I would include this anyway as a must have just because it is such, a nice customer experience. Right. And generally, like, that's an email that's going to be very plain text. Uh, do you, yes. when I've set these up and messed with them, I've stuck a dynamic product block in there where it's like, I let Clavio make some recommendations and I make it look like it's a PS, like it's after the fact, the last thing. And I've had clients push back on that. They're like, well, we don't want to be too salesy. Like, what is your, what are your thoughts there? Or is it just, I don't know, split test it and find out. I mean, you know, the ultimate answer is split testing, but a lot of times I actually plug it in there. Um, if there's an opportunity to show them some new products or, or things they that they look, you know, because Clavio is making these recommendations based off of what they've looked at and what they've purchased and then try and comparing that to what other people have looked at and purchased and, you know, ended up buying in the end. Um, and so it's a chance to expose them to some new products and kind of get them excited again. So I usually include it. So the the merchant who is um, the merchant that's pushing back on it, I think the the cognitive dissonance that's happening here is they're being a good person at a dinner party. They're being humble. Like you wouldn't show up at a dinner party and be like, "This is how much I made this year. I brought my tax returns. Who wants to buy some <laughs> shit?" Right? Like you, you, that person would be a giant monster. And they're they're taking those like typical rules of polite dinner conversation and applying them to their email marketing, and. It isn't the case. They're looking at it through a different lens. And you also have to think like they just bought the product, a product from you. They placed an order. They're excited about it. That's like peak excitement is that uh, that suspense between I bought a new toy and it arrives in the mail. So you send out that email thanking them. It's a nice experience. And hey, they are like at that moment, they they love you. They love your stuff. And that so I don't think it, it's harmful at all to let Clavio make some some product recommendations. If you believe in what you're selling you know the person's into it and you trust in Clavio's ability to make sane recommendations. Cool. Do it. Absolutely. I will say a, a thing I only discovered recently when we had to solve some, some issues for a client was when you're setting up those dynamic recommendation engine, uh, 
those that like the catalog feed um, for Clavio. So it's got like this widget you could drop an email where it may it shows like three four products whatever you define it, but it is personalized them to the recipient based on, and you could choose like how it weights it. Um, but it's very cool. You don't just have to pick. The default is it just pulls a, a feed of here's everything in the store, and Clavio knows to not show stuff that's out of stock. You can make your own versions of that feed, like just pull stuff from this collection. So you could try and like really narrow it down and personalize it. And I think that is a a buried feature a lot of people don't realize is there. And that's one way that you can set up those. Let's go back to auto parts. Yeah, is right once you've figured out that they purchase Jeep products. Then your product recommendations, you know, you put them into a certain flow and that it's always going to pull from the Jeep collection, let's say, when it's recommending products. So yeah. that's another way you can play with that. So you go and Shopify and it's like, all right, let's say you're selling Wrangler parts or let's say you're not ballistic fabrication. Let's say they only did Jeep stuff, but it's like Wrangler, Grand Cherokee, Cherokee, uh, and you know, one of those bastard vehicles like a Patriot or a Compass, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the So then we like you create a cult. I'm just walking through this. In Shopify, you'd create a smart collection called Wrangler. And it's like, all right, only include products tagged Wrangler and with Wrangler in the title. Done. And uh, product price is greater than zero, so we don't have free items show up in there. And inventory stock is greater than zero. There, now we have, these are all in-stock eligible Wrangler products. And then I create a a product feed in Klaviyo called Wrangler that just pulls from that collection. And then now I can use that for all of my Wrangler-specific flow emails. Exactly. Cool. Yep. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Your email database is one of, if not the main revenue driver of your e-commerce store. For many merchants, it's your greatest asset. Keeping it safe is just as important as backing up your online store. Human error in Klaviyo could be catastrophic. An overzealous team member could delete years worth of subscribers with no chance of recovery. Like Shopify, Klaviyo doesn't offer backups natively. Accidents in Klaviyo are permanent, and Klaviyo support is not able to recover data on individual accounts. The same is true in Shopify. That's why I always recommend people install Rewind for Shopify. Now here's the great news. Rewind now offers automatic backups for Klaviyo as well. You can protect your list and your store today at Rewind.io. Check it out at Rewind.io or search Rewind in the Shopify app store. And when you do, email help at Rewind.io, mention the unofficial Shopify podcast, and get your first month free. Let's move forward, if you don't mind, to uh, getting started with Clavio. So we've established, like, all right, either you're on Clavio and you go, oh, I just walked away with some great ideas, or you're considering jumping on Clavio or sit, you're going to get started with your setup. You're going to walk us through how you approach that. You're a Clavio Super Pro. You're going to walk us through it. And you've broken it into three pillars. Tell me about that. Right. So we can break it down. This is the way Clavio teaches it as well uh, in some of their materials is get data, organize data, and use the data. So get data. This is going to be so again, if you're setting up a new a new Clavio account, you need to set up all the different places that you're going to pull data from. So that's going to be connecting it to Shopify, connecting it to uh, your old email platform. Let's say you're using MailChimp, and we can talk about how you actually do that. Uh, if if you like, um, but and then pulling in your contact lists, right, um, and your forms. So that's that's get data. Um, 
I'll do organized data and, and use data real quick as well. So organizing it is essentially creating your lists and segments and then using data is putting it into action with your campaigns and flows. Um, so do you want to jump into, you know, just some of the specific steps for setting it up, get data? Yeah. So step one is this thing only works if it could pull info from my store and uh, presumably my past email service provider. Uh, run me through that quickly. Yeah. So they've made it super easy when you first, you know, sign into Clavio, there's a setup wizard and that's going to walk you through the first step of connecting it to Shopify. Um, so it's going to, it'll walk you through all these steps. You can set up your name and, and, uh, connect it so that now all of your Shopify, uh, data. So people that have purchased from you, people that have, you know, which product pages they've looked at, um, people that have abandoned carts, all that data is going to be sent to Clavio so that they can use it now so that you can use it in your flows. So that's a pretty automatic process, uh, and Clavia will walk you through it in a setup wizard. Um, yeah, that was really—it's it, not tough. Yeah, they've, it's they've it's stream, they know that's like the biggest hurdle, so they've streamed. They really—it is on point. Yeah, I mean, even there's a little JavaScript snippet that you used to have to go into the template and add manually. Now you can click a box, and Clavia will add that for you. So it's it's super simple. So, all right, next thing to consider probably is, you know, if you're moving to Klaviyo, there's a good chance you're moving from some other email platform. Um, and so let's say MailChimp, right, sort of an, uh, of the moment platform here. Um, so there is, you just go to the integrations tab. Um, and under integrations, you would select MailChimp, and there's another wizard there that will connect it. Um, so once you connect it, it's going to synchronize all the data, and again, it'll pull from MailChimp information like um, if they've opened emails recently, um, if they've clicked on emails, and so you can use all of this to create uh, an engaged list later, right? So you can sort based on, I think it's 90 days worth of MailChimp data um, after you connect that. So again, oh, that wizard sweet. walks you through it. Yeah, super easy. See, um, I didn't even know this until this year, because in the past, it's for migrating between any platform, it's export everything as a spreadsheet, upload it, assign what the columns are, and take what you can get. Like, oh, I got the names and the emails in there? Good enough. Now right. you're losing nothing. I mean, really, it pulls everything across. It's very cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a really good way to do it. Um, you know, just to follow through with the MailChimp idea, the next thing is going to be to migrate your email templates over. And there's two ways to do it. One is drag and drop editor, and the other way is like HTML exports. Uh, I would highly recommend using the drag and drop editor because um, that way it's going to be easy to edit moving forward. You don't need to go in and actually edit the HTML code every time you want to change something. Uh, and you can use those features like the product recommendation blocks and you can have, um, it'll be, you know, mobile responsive. So drag and drop's the way to go if at all possible, but otherwise there is the option. To so when you say the, the drag and drop editor, you mean like yeah. I, I need to sit down and recreate these email templates, right? You do. Yep. Okay. Yep, you'll want to go through, and you know, the Clavio does have uh, a template section. So let's say, you know, you can create just sort of a basic email template that has your your logo at the top. If you have any kind of navigation, uh, you know, that can show up there as well. Your footer, and a lot of times I'll set things up just like uh, I'll have a a title or or a header and a block of text, just a few things that I use frequently, and I'll always start with that. And then I'll just delete the elements I don't need and modify the elements that, that are there. And that makes the process go really quickly. Okay. And then I got to do my next and final step there is to connect my form so people can sign up. 
Exactly. Yep. So that's going to be in a lot of themes there. If you were using MailChimp, there was a like a, a, a URL for the, for the forms. It had a MailChimp URL in there that connected to the list. There is a Clavio correlate that you can put in there as well. Um, so that's that's really simple and compatible. And there's third party tools like your pop up. You know, if you were using Just Uno or Privy or, or any of those things, you want to connect those as well. So yeah. that is how you're going to get all your data. Yeah, any of the at this point, like Clavio is large enough where any of these other anything that collects an email is probably going to have a Clavio integration. Like I like using Viral Sweep. Yeah, it's like oh, you just add the API key. So yeah, you got to point all that stuff towards Clavio, and then you've got like whatever form on your site, um, you know, in the theme. Generally, you could just go find the form action URL in Clavio and swap it for the same space in Mailchimp. Um, worst case scenario is you know you need to slide a developer fifty bucks to take care of it for you. Yeah, that would it's not terribly hard. Just look for, hey, what's every place we collect an email? Okay, point to Clavio instead of MailChimp. Yeah. And you're right. You're like, worst case scenario is Zapier will probably do it. Right. Yep. All right. That gets us then to, that's pillar one done. We need pillar two, organize the data. Yes, organize the data. So, all right. The way that Clavio recommends that you that you do this is, you know, by... So once you get all those people in there, let's say from MailChimp, continuing that example, um, to create an engaged subscribers list. And there's lots of ways that you can do that. But as an example, since we get that 90 days worth of MailChimp data, um, you would probably want to include things like people that clicked on an email in the last, you know, let's say 90 days or 60 days, um, people that purchased from you recently, um, people that signed up for your newsletter recently. So those are all going to be people that you know are alive and kicking. Uh, and, and that's going to be, so when you're moving to a new email platform, the first few weeks or the first month that you're there, um, it is important to send to, um, to use your engaged list when you're sending at first. Because when you start sending, uh, emails and, and there's emails coming from a new IP address, all these platforms like, you know, Gmail, um, Hotmail, you know, any email platforms, they are monitoring engagement. And so if they see a bunch of emails come from your IP address that people are marking as spam and they're not even opening, not clicking on, then they learn very quickly. Gmail learns to put your stuff in the spam folder. Yep. Yeah. So they recommend first create your engaged segment. Well, then yeah. Can I, if we back up, I can give you some background on this. That's interesting. Yeah. When you sign up for a new email service provider, it's a it's a bigger risk to the service provider than it is to you, the business owner, changing platforms. And I know people worry about deliverability. That's a big risk for them because if they get a bad actor, then suddenly that's going to affect all their other clients. So they got to kick the bad actor off and then try and repair the damage done. The the two ways these uh, platforms email service providers typically handle it is one when you sign up you are randomly assigned a pool of ip addresses you are also then put into quarantine and once uh you've met some metric where it's like all right you managed to send a thousand emails and they think it marks spam then they'll move you they'll go all right let's move them into the slightly better tier and then like on up it, it levels it out to where it's like, all right, we know your spam complaints typically a half percent. You live in the pool with the other half percent people. And then the other way they go, the other way to go about it is, well, so yeah, either that like ladder system or we've got like random pools that you're going to get assigned to 
But either way, when you first sign up, you're in quarantine. And that's why Clavio is saying, hey, you know, like play it cool, especially when you start. Right. Interesting. So, right. So that's, that's something to keep in mind as you get going, right? Send your engaged list. Also, you know, build out your engaged flows. The, you know, the flow that maybe you don't want to build right out of the gate is your re-engagement, right? Sending to people that haven't interacted with you in a long time, trying to get them back. That may, maybe isn't the first flow that you set up. Um, so yeah, we're playing it cool. All right. So that's part of organizing your data. Um, I would say this, the second part of organizing your data is going to be um, cleaning your list. So you can come up with your least engaged uh, lists, right? So people that haven't clicked on an email uh, in a long time, people that haven't purchased from you in a long time. And you want to play with these numbers. I mean, there are some starting you know, numbers you could use uh, as starting points there. Um, but let's say um, you can say like as an example. People that have received an email at least 10 times and over, you know, and they have opened that email zero times and they've clicked zero times. Um, so that, you know, that could be a good starting point. And what you want to do is just play with the numbers, increase them, decrease them. Um, and, you know, if you find that you do that and it excludes 95 percent of your list, then maybe you need to lighten up a little bit on the numbers and find something that seems, you know, makes sense. Um, Right. But so, so I, yeah. like cleaning my own list, I'll play with this and be like, okay, give me a segment of everyone who has not clicked or opened an email and it's the last 20 emails, you know, and maybe yeah. like, uh, you know, you do that and it's like, all right, I got 100 people. Okay, so maybe that's too severe. So let's go, all right, let's do 10. Well, shoot, now it's like 1,000 people. Right, so then the right answer is 15. Like, just play with it to find something, and it's subjective, find something you're comfortable with. Exactly. Yep. And so once you've done that, um, you can, there's a couple ways that you can handle that. Um, <clears throat> you can mark them as uh, suppressed, or you can delete them. Um, and you usually want to go with uh, suppressed, Suppress, you know, suppress is cool because they don't count towards your monthly plan, right? So you're not paying for them. You keep all the data in the account still. So you can see all their past purchase data, what they've looked at, all that sort of thing. And they can always become unsuppressed if they re-engage later on. Um, oh. So, so yeah, suppressing, it's a good way to go. Um, so the other like, option is to delete, but yeah. Unsuppressing them would be like they came to your site and they made a purchase and now they're they're back in the list and unsuppressed, but you still kept all that data. Exactly. Okay. I actually, yep. I wondered about this. So it's, it's good to have the, the clarification. Yeah. Yes. So, and you know, if they purchased is one way or if they came to your site and let's say they opted in like for a, a download or, or signed onto your newsletter, that's another way they would become unsuppressed where they kind of initiate it instead of you. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you can come up with that, <clears throat> with that list um, of people that, right, you know, there, there's going to be others that you want to exclude, like people at hard bounce. Um, Clevia is going to automatically suppress those people and soft bounce. Hard bounce is people that, you know, uh, let's say their email address is misspelled or it's just the wrong email address that's no longer active. Soft bounce is more of a temporary thing. Let's say their email inbox was full um, or uh, the server was temporarily down or there was something, you know, some other issue there. Which, so both of those things happen way more than. I would think is reasonable. Like people misspelling their own email address. That is a common problem. 
Uh, and especially like when you're using contact forms instead of just putting your email out there, like you'll go to reply to a, a contact form email and it's like, oh, it was going to Gmail. Like, oh, you clearly meant Gmail. But like these services don't know that, you know, they don't, they can't figure that out. And yeah, people having suddenly like a good subscriber whose email box is suddenly at capacity happens way more than you'd think. Yep. <clears throat> so yeah, so you, it's good to keep those as part of your, you know, data hygiene uh, process. Um, and just, you know, one other thing here, so you can suppress that way. There's, there's a couple ways to suppress people. You can also run like segments of people, export it, um, as a CSV, and then you re-import it into their, uh, like list maintenance, uh, tab. And then that's how you can actually clean off your list. If you say, these are people like we know these are hard bounces. They're, they're never going to come back. Let's just get them off entirely. Then you can, uh, export that list. And then you go to account maintenance and just remove profiles and upload the list. Okay. So uh, that is part of your list hygiene. And then I'll say if you, you could also use, there's services that will do list hygiene where, um, and they have, uh, Kickbox is the one I like. It has an integration with Klaviyo. So you can have it run through your list and it'll tell you like, okay, these we know are not legitimate emails. These we know are high risk emails. So this is especially good if you're like switching to the platform and you're trying to make sure you get that high deliverability rate. You could use use one of these verification services the disadvantage is it's yet another thing to pay for and if you've got a very large list it can get pricey so but i will link to kickbox it does exactly what it advertises it works well um and if you don't have a big list it's totally worth it to just try it Uh, so i'll put that in the show notes kickbox.com cool does that get us through uh our pillar two what did we organizing data yep yeah. Okay. You know, if you're going a little further in that, you can always create more segments to, you know, as you send more emails. But when you're getting your account set up, those are the main segments you want to create up, uh, create and have going. So that moves us to the final pillar, which is using that data, and that's primarily going to come in the form of sending out campaigns, which campaigns are are you know sort of a one-time ad hoc event. Uh, you have a sale, you want to message a segment of your list, you send a campaign. Then there's flows. And flows are, you can sort of liken to just an automation sequence or a drip sequence. Essentially, there's triggered behaviors, um, like somebody's added something to their cart and they haven't purchased, um, you know, that can trigger the abandoned cart flow. Or they have signed up for your newsletter, uh, you know, through your newsletter form that can trigger the welcome series flow. So campaigns and flows. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I'm setting up new cam- new campaigns, or sorry, new Klaviyo accounts, I, I start with the high engagement flows. So get that welcome series set up, abandoned cart set up, um, post-purchase thank you. These are all things where they're going to be highly receptive to your emails, and it's going to help with sort of establishing that you are a good sender and not a spam sender to all the email platforms out there. All right. Where do I go from there? So after you've got those set up, the next place to go is just diving deeper into the world of flows and Klaviyo has really you know if you're in your account they have a library of flows that you can click on and I would recommend just just going through that and seeing all the different flows they have already built out for you that you can just modify um, so that would include things like you know a win back flow or re-engagement flow um, so that would you know go to people that um, maybe purchased from you a long time ago and they, they haven't made a purchase in X number of days, 90 days. So then you send them an email to, you know, with the discount code showing them the new products that you've added to your store. Um, 
there's delayed fulfillment is a new is, one. Yeah, this is one yeah. of the recent ads because they regularly add to these. This one I think yeah. is is so clever. Everybody should do it and hope they never use it. Right. Yeah. So tell so us what it is. So essentially, you can you can set uh, a time. So let's say that you normally fulfill within two days or something like that. If if you still haven't marked that order as fulfilled and Clavio doesn't see that it's been fulfilled in you know one day after that, then it will send out an email that lets them know that delayment. Uh, excuse me, that that things are delayed and not to worry. Uh, you know the product is on its way, and we'll we'll excuse me, we'll let you know when the product's on its way. Is really what it says. Okay. Yeah, it says like uh, I think it defaults to like eight days. So if it doesn't set, it goes. Oh, sorry. You know we know we owe you the order and we're just slammed right now. Um, so yeah, it's just a a nice. A nice safety net to have. Um, yeah, right. Nice safety net, nice uh, best practice. Right. As you're building all of these things out, um, you know, we'd mentioned smart sending. I usually like to keep smart sending set up on my automated flows. Um, yep. That way there's not a traffic jam of emails if they sign up for a few different things at the same time. Um, so smart sending, I recommend that you keep that on. And then Klaviyo's got a whole bunch of different uh, resources that you can use as you build out these, these additional flows. So after I build out kind of my, my key flows, which we've talked about, abandoned cart, welcome series, post-purchase thank yous, maybe win back series, browse abandonment, you get those filled out, uh, built. Then you want to start split testing things. And so you can split test things. You know, I've given a number of examples at the beginning where we split test abandoned cart by value or by whether they're a new customer or a repeat customer. Um, but you can also send the same email out and just use, um, you know, split test things like the headline or the, you know, which offer. And so if you look at the Clavio blog, they've got a bunch of cool research they've done for you on um, subject line best practices, right? Um, and they give you a whole bunch of examples and tips for how to come up with a subject line that works well. And, you know, some of the takeaways are, are you know, in most cases, emojis work well. Um, you know, I'm that, a big fan of, of jamming a snowman emoji in my Black Friday <laughs> emails. It, right. it works. It, it helps make it stand out and make it seem more human. Um, yeah, those two blog articles are five data back best practices for email subject lines and how to craft email subject lines that drive open rates. I have put right. both of those in the show notes, listener note, tap or swipe up uh, on your phone on the episode art. And it will, uh, that'll generally open up the show notes and scroll down to Excellent. show links. Okay, super good. After you've built out your flows and it's kind of part of using the data, um, Clavio gives you a bunch of analytics that you can use um, as you build these out to see if things are on track. So for your flows, you can click on a little uh, tab, I believe in the upper right hand corner that says like show analytics. Um, and it's gonna give you things like the open rates for the emails, uh, click rates, the number, like the purchase rate. Um, so those are all things that you wanna keep an eye on. And the way, you know, the way that I typically look at it is I'll start out with baseline numbers, wherever they land when I first put these together, and I look for outliers. Um, say, wow, in our abandoned cart series, uh, you know, our, our open rate was whatever, 5% or something like that for these three, and it was really high for this one or really low for that one. And I, and I start looking at those things. So, you know, I do it, um, I look at them relative to one another as I'm starting. Um, 
same thing with campaigns. You're going to get the same sorts of, of stats. There's a reporting dashboard that you can open up. So you'll want to check on um, things like, you know, the open rates, click rates, as we mentioned, but also look at things like how many of your emails are being marked as spam, um, you know, un unsubscribes. Uh, Do you, you have can, example yeah. ranges for these KPIs? Like what's a typical open rate, click rate, and uh, spam complaint rate or unsubscribe rate? Like give me, give me some ranges. I know it, it's going to vary. Yeah, it is definitely going to going to vary, but um let's see. So like as I look in some of my accounts right now, open rates, good open rates are going to be in the, you know, 40s percent. I would say that that's a good open rate. Um normally you might see in the 20 or 30%. So anything above that, I would say is quite solid. Uh is that what you have seen as well, Kurt? Yeah, I would say um, like a a good typical one would be like 35%. Um, if you get above that, that's great. If you get You're below winning. that, uh, okay. And if it's to like maybe start getting some more value in these emails, doing something different. And if it slips below 20, like, all right, you have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the next thing maybe I'm, I'm looking at is uh, click rate. Um, so, um, click rate, these are going to be s smaller numbers, um, in general. So, uh, if you're in maybe the 5% range, I would say that that is, you know, five to 10% range is maybe a good place to be. Uh, if you're lower than that, again, look at your offer, look at your headline, um, things like that. Um, you know, headline is going to influence your open rate uh, a lot, but it's the offer in general to, to get people to, to click through. Um, how about you, Kurt, in terms of the number? Do you have a number you look at? For click rate? It's, yeah. Yeah, like 5% would be pretty yep. normal. If you could get over 5%, that means this is a really good offer, and you should do that again. But the, like, you quickly realize what a numbers game uh, emails are. So if you've got, you know, 10,000, email goes out to 10,000 people, and, like, only 40% are opening it, and 5% are clicking on it, is the the click the click rate is not on people who opened it. It's on all recipients, right? Yes, uh, I believe that's the way the Clavio and Mailchimp measure it differently, but I believe that it's on all recipients. Yeah, so it's like, all right, if my click rate's five percent and that's good, and I said it's ten thousand people, that means five hundred people only made it to the website. So you very yeah. quickly, this is why the really effective email marketers send so much email. It's because like one email by itself really does not do a ton. But now when you do this multiple times a week, you start to, you know, over the course of a month and then a year, this really adds up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, I think another one that I mentioned was unsubscribe. I mean, when I look at most of my campaigns, that number's not, you, you don't want that to be more than a percent or two typically um, in, in my view. You may see more when it's going to depend again on, on if it's an automated campaign or if it's a, you know, a, or automated flow or um, a sale campaign that you're pushing out to everyone, right? But, but in general, you don't want that to climb more than, you know, a couple, one or 2%. Okay. In my view. Yeah. Moving forward, I think that that's, as you're setting up a new account, that's really the basics. And that's where, that's what you want to focus on initially is just keeping your fundamentals strong, right? Looking at your numbers, paying attention to them over time. And it is, you know, a comparative game. Looking at, you know, trying to improve your numbers, experimenting. Um, 
so but focus on the fundamentals initially and get those working well because those are the things that's going to generate the majority of your uh, your sales are going to come from those basic campaigns then you can get fancy and and you know start coming up with new ideas and birthday campaigns and, and all sorts of things like that um, but that's how I would get started. Yeah, we always like the stuff that gets talked about is the really like the fun stuff, like the happy birthday flow, which is a cool one, um, right. and it's effective. But like, you don't start messing with that until you've got the abandoned cart working right and the welcome series. So yeah, like you have all these tools. You still got to start at the with like a baseline for good. When I manage an account, I like to keep a spreadsheet, and I'll just record some of these numbers um, on some sort of regular cadence. You know, uh, whether it's you know weekly is good. So you're looking at maybe a four different data points per month, or or at least monthly, right? But so that you can track how things are going over time, and I like to include notes as well. So when I make a change to something, I just make a little line in my spreadsheet that says, "Hey." added a split test here, or I changed the, you know, abandoned cart offer here. Um, and then later as I'm looking back and I see that bump in the stats, I can actually, you know, remember why and, and look at maybe replicating that in some other way. Uh, fantastic advice. Do you have any other quick win tips before we wrap it up? I mean, I think that as you and I were talking about before we started, it's all about increasing the number of touch points right in a smart way and i would say a smart way would be just making sure that you're adding value um with these emails and that you know a good way to do that is to make them customer service related so just think about how you you know as you go through some of these individual customers what they bought you know you can open up their individual profiles go through their journey and think through it and think about what other messaging might they respond to what would be helpful to them now that they have done performed these actions what's a good next step and then you can take those individuals and, and sort of broadly apply that to everyone with a few, you know, smart rules. Uh, and if someone wanted to learn more about you, where should they go? How should they do it? So you can find me on Twitter, which is just my name, um, Kurt Bullock. And the other way is just go to the website, which is Produce Department. Uh, and so it's producedept.co. Uh, and maybe maybe we can link that in the show notes. I will include that in the show notes as well. I don't have anything else. Any any other thoughts you want to throw in there? That's it. Just work on your fundamentals uh, and get those going strong. That's going to be the, the real engine of your email, um, you know, your email sales. I love these chats because I always get, I get excited that I, I pick like just a... The next time I have to go into a Clavio store, I start you know, it's like, oh, can you check on this? Can you fix this? And I log in. Uh, suddenly I start reviewing analytics and flows and campaigns being like, oh, here's some things. And then come back with, oh, you should do this. Like, yeah, I fixed that thing. I oh, should do this stuff too. So, Yeah, that's fun. All right. Mr. Bullock, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, if people have questions about their Clavio, hit him up on Twitter. See if you can get a hold of him. He is brilliant. I go to him. All my Clavio problems get solved by Kurt Bullock. Thanks. It was fun talking, Kurt. This episode was made possible by our friends at Rewind. Automated backups with Rewind mean one less thing for you to worry about and spend time on. Most mistakes happen when stores are being updated, customized, or otherwise worked on. Feel confident when you invite consultants or new hires to work on your store and protect your reputation. Or maybe you're a Shopify partner like me. Why not join leading Shopify agencies like BVXL, Blue Switch, Milk Bottle Labs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program? Learn more at rewind.io. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. 
If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.